I've asked Jacob to come up here because he's going to help me tonight in our lesson for a little bit. I want to let you stand up here on the little stand here. If you remember Matthew 18, verse 2, the Bible says Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them. Well, Jacob is my illustration tonight. And the title of my lesson is, Would You Recognize Jesus and Would You Recognize His Church? Now, recently, some little fellows have been lost, and there have been many people looking for them. How would you identify a lost child? Now, I've got Jacob up here, and I want you all to look at Jacob, and I want you to think about if Jacob were lost, let's say after services tonight, Caleb and Rachel say, where's Jacob? We're trying to find him. Will you help us try to find Jacob? What would you do? What would you look for? Well, there's some things. First of all, I would imagine most of us would say, Jacob, where are you? But you know, if that were the case, I'm sure Jacob OMB is going to say, I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> so a name alone is not enough. And so we'd look for his size. We'd look for his height. We'd look for his weight. We'd look at the clothing. Uh, I thought he might wear a red shirt tonight, but he wore a plaid shirt. That's what you would look for. You'd say, uh, where, where is he? But now Brother Zali's sitting on here with a plaid shirt, so, you know, we, we'd have to make sure that we were had the right size, we had the right height, we had the right name, and then some distinguishing features. Now, one reason why I decided to choose Jacob this morning was because of his glasses. I saw him and I thought there's a good distinguishing characteristic that we're looking for. You can go sit down if you want to now, Jacob. I thank you for helping me. This wasn't a stunt. This was what Jesus did in Matthew 18, verse 2. You take a child and there the Lord used a child for the purpose of illustrating humility, innocence. Well, I wanted you to look at Jacob and I wanted you to think about how precious he is how important he is, and I have no doubt whatsoever that if Jacob were lost after services tonight, anyone and every one of us would stay to look for him. But when we did, we'd want to make sure that there's some things that would come to our mind. And I know that we'd ask Stanley, what was he wearing? Well, I think he was wearing that plaid shirt. What did he look like? And as we began to fan out and we try to go, how would you recognize him? Well, now... Let me take that just a little bit further in the Bible about sometimes recognition is challenging. I'd like for you to go with me to two or three passages of Scripture, and I just want to sort of put before you the idea of how a challenge may arise. If you go with me to Genesis chapter 27, and let's look at verses 21 through 23, and let me set up this passage for you. Isaac is getting to be an old man. And it's time for him to give his blessing to his sons, Jacob and Esau. Obviously, Esau was the one with the birthright, and uh, Jacob had already purchased the birthright. Esau didn't value it too much. But it came time for Isaac to give that blessing. And so his mother, or Jacob's mother, 
said, what you need to do is you need to come here. I'm going to make some savory food that your father likes. And he says, I'm going to put some skins on him that had hair on them. And so Jacob goes in to his father, and you pick up reading there in verse 21. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him, and he said to him, This voice is of Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Now here is a father, and here is a son of his, and you obviously have to recognize, he looks and he recognizes the voice of Jacob, but he recognizes the, the touch, the feel of his son Esau. Sometimes recognition is not always that easy. Let's go to a second passage. The passage that Brother Jeff read to us just a moment ago. If you'll remember, Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. And so he would have been taken to Egypt. He became a servant in the household of Potiphar, arose to a position there, was then falsely accused spent time in prison. He then rose back by interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And now he is second in command in Egypt. There's a famine in the land of Canaan and Jacob's sons come down to Egypt to buy grain. And we pick up reading in verse 7, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but acted as a stranger and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Obviously his clothing was different. His dress would have been different in the sense he probably had a headdress on and didn't look like they did, like shepherds who had come from a weary land. A third illustration is found in John chapter 9. If you go to John 9 with me, you'll remember that this is the case where the Lord healed a blind man. Man blind from birth. It was introduced by, you know, this question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? And Jesus said, neither. It wasn't because of sin that this man was born blind. It was a part of God's design so that Jesus could heal him. One of the questions came up, though, that we find in verses 8 and 9. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen the blind said he was blind, that said, Is this not he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Now, here's people who walk by every day, and somebody said, Well, you know, that looks like him. Another person, Well, no, that's not him. Here's a man, he says, it's me. It's me. How would you recognize the real Jesus? How would you recognize his body, the church? Is it important that we recognize him, at least as the Bible presents him? So tonight, I've got an ambitious goal, and I will tell you if I get halfway through my lesson and I look up and I've spent all my time, I will. Reserve the second part for next week. 
I really don't think I'll get through. So don't, if I'm only halfway through and you say, wow, are we going to be here all night? Don't, don't worry. Don't panic. Recognizing Jesus. What would you say are some ways that you and I could recognize Jesus to be the real one? Because the truth is, there are many people who did not recognize him as being the promised Christ. Let me illustrate for just a moment or two. If you go with me to Isaiah chapter 53, and let's pick up with verse 2. We'll read through verse 5, and again, there's much more that we could say, but I just want to point out that the prophecy recognized that not everybody was going to appreciate Jesus and recognize him for being who he should be. Isaiah said, For he shall grow before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Now for just a moment, think with me about what this prophecy said. When you get to verse 2, the latter part of verse 2, when we see him, there's no form, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's not the person that most of us would visualize. Now, I used a photo on the opening slide, which I usually try to do. That was some artist's conception of Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives looking over the city of Jerusalem. What did Jesus look like? What's his physical characteristics? We always seem portrayed as what we would think is a European man. A man tall and thin. A man with flowing hair. Jesus would have been a Jew. He probably would not have been a tall man. There's a very good possibility that uh, if he was a man in his 30s, that he could have also been losing his hair by then. You see, our idea, our visualization of him, but that's not what Isaiah is talking about. There's no beauty, there's no form, there's no comeliness, there's nothing that we're looking for in him. He doesn't strike us as being the person God would have chosen. Do you remember when Samuel was walking and looking at the sons of Jesse? And he's looking for the one whom God has chosen. And he begins with those older sons and he goes down and, well, where's the last one? Well, he's out in the field. God doesn't see as man sees. God looks on the heart. When you and I look at Jesus, is there something there that would be a beauty that would make us want to desire him? 
Well, he begins to explain. He was despised and rejected by men. If Jesus were here today, do you think we would recognize him? He wouldn't have the accolades of men. He wouldn't be offered honorary degrees by our university. He'd probably be criticizing a lot of what's taught there. It says he was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Oh, he wasn't a Joel Osteen, that's for sure. He's not preaching to thousands of people, telling them everything's okay, allowing everybody to think sin's just fine. Saying, oh, be happy, be joyful, because everything's going to be rosy in life. You're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. No, that's not what he said. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We hid our faces from him. He's the kind of person who was in the crowd. We would want to turn and say, I'm not with him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. But he's the one who took our punishment for us. Now let's go to John chapter 5. You get to John chapter 5. The very first part of the chapter, you have Jesus being rejected. But you get to the crowd in Jerusalem, and you get to verses 39 and 40, and Jesus said, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Would you recognize Jesus today if Jesus were in our midst? Jesus said, you people are not looking at the right place to find my description. Where you need to go are the scriptures because they provide my identification. Let's go to John 18 for just a minute. Jesus has crossed over the brook Kidron. He's gone into the garden of Gethsemane. He's prayed there with his disciples. And now it says, verse 3, Judas having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees came with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus there, knowing that all things would come upon him, went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? They answered and said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to him, to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with him. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I told you that I am he. I'm the one you're looking for. Evidently, they must have expected a lot of resistance. Maybe they expected some sort of armed conflict. How do you know? Verse 3, they came with lanterns, torches, and weapons. They're going to take Jesus by force if necessary. Jesus said, I'm he. Take me. Take me. Non-resistance. 
You go to Luke chapter 24, if you'll pick up with me at verse 36, we'll read through the first part of verse 31. Now, as I said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? And behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. All the apostles even. You see, in their minds, it was hard for them to accept that Jesus had died and that he had risen again from the dead and there he was. Would you recognize Jesus? They didn't. You see, it's a challenge sometimes for people because they already have in their minds made up what they think he's going to be like, to look like, and to act like. One more passage, Mark 13, verse 6. Jesus, in warning about the future, said, Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. I guess I stand amazed today about how many people follow modern-day saviors and Jesuses. You know, there have been people like Jim Jones in the People's Temple that arose. There have been people like David Koresh in Waco who said, I'm the Savior, I'm the Messiah. Jesus said, there are going to be people who are going to come in my name. They're going to deceive many. Are you him? Do we recognize him? Well, I'm glad we had Jacob up here just a few minutes ago. Run through your mind right now. What did you see Jacob wearing? Do you notice or did you notice any distinguishing features that if you were called upon after services to go look for him, that you'd know what to look for. If you're looking for Jesus, are there any distinguishing features for which you and I would look? Well, so I can use the letter M. I'm going to use a term you may not be familiar with, and that's his moniker. If you look up moniker in the Bible, it means a person's name, something you call them by. If you go to Matthew chapter 1, prophecy is given regarding the coming of Jesus. Mary was told, or Joseph was told, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this will be done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the Lord, or by the Lord, through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. There are two designations in this passage. The first one is his name. His name's Jesus, which means Savior. He's going to save his people from their sins, and that's what he's going to be known by. That's his name. 
But later on, it says in verse 23, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there's another aspect. Not only is he the Savior, he's God in the flesh. Like John 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. But the second thing that you see in Jesus is his mission. You see, the mission that a lot of people were looking for was this great military deliverer who was going to throw off the bonds of the Roman Empire and their stranglehold that they had on all the nations. We're going to have us a Saul. We're going to have us a David. We're going to have us a Solomon. A great general king, if you will. But you know what Jesus' mission was? Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But I like the the way that Matthew 11 addresses this. Because here is the cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist. What do I know about John the Baptist and his interaction with Jesus? Do you remember the baptism of Jesus? John baptized Jesus in the river Jordan. There was a dove descending with the Holy Spirit upon him And there was the voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son. Do you remember what John himself said in John chapter 1? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I'm trying to lay a foundation here. Do you suppose John would recognize Jesus? Well, maybe I ought to ask the question. Would the cousins of Jacob recognize Jacob? I think so. Well, John has been arrested by Herod. John is on the east side of the Jordan, or not the Jordan, the Dead Sea. He's on the east side of the Jordan, but east side of the Dead Sea in a prison called Machaerus. And John is discouraged. Things like, are not going the direction maybe that he wanted them to go. So we get to Matthew 11, verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, now listen carefully, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to him, or said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, do you think about that for just a second? Here is John, the cousin of Jesus. He's in prison. He's hearing about the works of Christ. And he's wanting to know, 
Are you the one? Or are we supposed to look for somebody else? Is John wavering in his confidence? How would I know if Jesus is who he's supposed to be? Go tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. If I read the Old Testament, that's who Jesus is. Oh, but that's not what people are looking for. But that's who he is because of his mission. The third thing is his manner of life. When you think about Jesus, some of us have this idea in our minds that he's this great, powerful, dominating figure A person whose personality cannot be resisted. But I want you to listen to him as he expresses himself in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now listen carefully. For I am meek, or I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. There wasn't an ounce of arrogance in our Lord at all. Could Jesus have called down twelve legions of angels when he was on the cross? Yes, he could have. When that soldier was beating his back, could he have challenged and said, you will stop that because I am the Son of God? He could, but he didn't. As Pilate challenged him in that praetorium, and he was challenging him, are you a king? Jesus would say, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. Therefore, my kingdom is not from here. Matthew 18, verse 36. His manner, mild, meek, and humble. He was mentioned by the prophets. You know, you have to resist the temptation when you're going through to to not go to ten passages. I just want to choose one from Luke 24, verses 44 and 45. We read there about these men on the road to Emmaus. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled that were written in the law of Moses the prophets and the psalms concerning me, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Oh, you can go back to all those. Go back to Psalms 22. Go back to Psalm 110. And you read about the the coming of the Christ. You read about all these passages that apply to him. How are you going to identify Jesus? 
What kind of distinguishing characteristics will you find? You have to find them in the Old Testament. Now let me give you a really good one. If we're out looking for Jacob, and Caleb says, Everybody, I found him. Here he is. This is my son Jacob. Do you think everybody will quit looking? Yeah. If anybody in this building knows Jacob, it's Caleb and Rachel. Matthew 17 and verse 5. Peter, James, and John have gone up with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter wanted to build three tent tabernacles there. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly out of the cloud, a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Do you think Peter had a doubt in his mind when that voice thundered from heaven that Jesus was God's son? He didn't have a doubt in the world. In Acts 17 and verse 31, when Paul's preaching in Athens, he's trying to persuade the people to repent. And he said to them, In the times of this ignorance, God once overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. That's Acts 17, verse 30. Verse 31, Because he is appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And listen carefully, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead was God's proof that he was his son. Now what if I refuse to acknowledge that? What if I don't recognize Jesus as being the son of God? What if I don't recognize him as the Christ? John 8 verse 24 Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You refuse to recognize Jesus, you're going to die in your sins. John chapter 12 verse 48. He rejects me and does not receive my word, has one that judges him. The word that I've spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. You will stand there before God and the words that Jesus spoke. You're going to recognize them then. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 10, he's talking about Jesus being equal with God. He didn't hold that as something to be grasped, but he made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a servant. He came in the fashion of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the death of the cross. And then verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. There will come a day when everyone will recognize him for who he is and what he is. That's where I get skipped to the second part of my lesson. Considering I look up and I've really gone a little longer than I normally do, there's actually more in the latter half than there is in the first half. So we'll pick that up next Sunday evening, Lord willing. Jesus claimed there would be charlatans claiming to be him. There's going to be people who will step up and say, I, I'm the Savior, I'm the Christ. 
Matthew 24, verse 5, there will be many come in my name saying, I am the Christ, will deceive many. Verse 24, false Christ, false prophets will arise, show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Even the elect. Would you recognize Jesus? Paul also warned of an apostasy of those people who have once accepted Jesus as being the Lord and the Savior and the Christ and they abandoned Him. I could spend a lot of time talking about Acts 20 verse 30, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. But let me ask you tonight, can you recognize Jesus in His body? Do you recognize the one that is presented in the Bible? If you do, you need to honor him. You need to give him the respect that he is due. He calls upon each of us to believe in him, to conform our lives to his will, and to be baptized into him to become a New Testament Christian. We're going to sing this song of invitation while Jesus whispers to you. If you're not a Christian, why not come forward let us know what you need to do. We'll let you uh, confess the name of Christ. We'll baptize you for the remission of your sins. If you're a Christian you're looking at your life and you say, I've not been living like I should, we'll pray with you. Would you come as together we stand and sing?